0: and
1: scores! Tomasz Hurdle hits the jackpot! You're listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Life. Scores! Scores!
0: scores! Logan Couture wins it in overtime.
1: Now, now, here's your host, Ted Ramey.
0: Back into the head with a good first pass out. Now, here they are moving in. Meyer takes a rebound and he scores! A dump in from Santa Rice gets to the goal, but it all goes back to that Logan Couture play in the corner to start this. And the Sharks' Timo Meyer makes it a two-nothing lead.
1: You know, we 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 had a you know I would say a challenging or a tough face-to-face at the end of the year last year in an exit meeting. Um, you know, and and we've sat with Timo a lot last year, and uh, um, you know, trying to talk about his details of his game, and um, you got to give him full credit. He came back in amazing shape. He's playing on Kucha's line. Uh, they've been great since day one. Um, he's playing against the other team's top lines, and Timo's detail and structure to his game are just uh, um, you know I think he's finally bought in the better he plays defensively the less he's going to be in his own end and uh, um, you know and he's he's even doing some great things in the offensive zone that he wasn't doing last year and so slinging pucks away I think he's holding on to pucks and he's playing heavy and he's uh, using his body and being physical and uh, um, you know those are all things that are going to make him successful and uh, you know he's getting to his point in his career I think where he just uh, um, he understands the way he has to play to have success and uh, um, that, this is the best hockey I've seen him play. I think that my favorite thing about the Sharks this year is that we often see in sports where everyone can identify the problem. Everyone looks out there and says, we see that is wrong. We see this is wrong. We see there is this existing deficiency. We see there is this gap. We see there is this problem and everyone identifies it, but nothing happens to actually rectify it. Nothing happens to actually turn it into a viable or cohesive solution or whatever you want to view it as under that vein. You know, you got to figure out something to make it work. Whatever the Sharks did at the end of last year in terms of the front office staff and Bob Bugner and his coaching staff to tell these players, listen, we have identified this problem, this problem, this problem, this problem, and this problem in your respective game. And if you rectify it, you will yield better results. That clearly worked. Now, I understand there is a relatively small sample size in terms of what we've seen up to this point of the season because it's 15 games, and yes, that is a limited amount to look at, but considering how slow out the gates the Sharks looked in the 2019-2020 pandemic-shortened season and then the condensed 56-game season of 2021— This is a world of difference. This is vastly different than what we were seeing before with the San Jose Sharks. And Timo Meyer, in particular, is the guy that got the message. Because we all know that when Timo Meyer is on his game, he changes the game. With his power, with his speed, with his size, with his ability to score, with his ability to get positioning, he is one of those guys that can immediately impact the game. And what you saw the last two years, and it may have been an adjustment from one type of team to the next, and whatever it was he was not able to be the same impact player that he was during that 2018-2019 season where you're looking at yourself and saying, holy lord, this guy has the potential to be one of the difference-making players in the league. And now, once again, the Sharks are putting him in a position to succeed, and it sounds like from what Bob Bugner said at the end of last year that there was that, you know quote-unquote, that come-to-Jesus type moment where you say, look, this is the reality and this is what you need to do to fix it. And Timo Meyer, up to this point of the year has fixed it. And I think that goes beyond Timo Meyer as well because we think about some of the impact players that the Sharks were not getting the relative impact from. Eric Carlson, you know, he's playing better this year. And I think that he's being more aggressive and more willing to take shots and more willing to get pucks to the net. And I do also think that... Brent Burns is another one of those players who's having a better season up to this point of the year and being more impactful in terms of what he's doing on the ice. Another one to look at is Mark Edward Vlasic, who maybe had a little bit of a slow start to the season, got the messaging that was going on with regards to uh, Santri Hataka being inserted back into the lineup in terms of what he needs to do with his game because of who he is and what his name is. I mean, I think that message got through. So the Sharks, at the very least... Or finding a way to get an effective message through that isn't belittling or demeaning, but rather the correct motivation. And I think that's what we see oftentimes in sports is guys screw up when they try and get down to the motivation of things. That they might make life a little bit too hard or make things a little bit too publicly just demoralizing, and I think that was something that last year people were worried about with Bob Bugner because he was very, very honest in his assessment about guys. He would say, he would call guys out, and there were even some benchings. And even we saw, you know, yesterday, one of the big storylines was that you're going to see Kevin LeBanc moving down the line. There were going to be changes. Shimek was out. Santriatica was in, and that was another bit of a shakeup for the San Jose Sharks. And you know what? It's not Bob Bugner's job to massage these guys' egos. It's his job to win games and I think that if he's finding the right way to get motivations out of these guys and get better performances without creating resentment, then you can't argue with how he's doing it. Not that anyone is, per se, arguing with how he's doing it, but I just think it's interesting to note that the Sharks have seemingly found a method of how they're going to maximize the results in this early part of the year because, yeah, listen, it's, it's hard for me to entirely look at this season as some sort of cohesive whole unit, because this, it's been anything but. You have had a COVID outbreak on your team that impacted your roster for six games, which is being viewed as a benefit at this point that the Sharks were able to keep their head above water and get a look at some of those younger players. And I know you're saying, I don't know if that was a benefit, Ted, but I'm sorry you now created a situation where you prove that you have organizational depth and you created more competition for these spots where guys now have to feel like they're gonna fight for their job, like they're gonna put in better efforts or put in their best possible effort because the replacement is waiting in the wings. And that's not to say that these guys shouldn't feel like they have relative job security, but they need to feel like they need to compete hard in every single game and go you know, to the wall in every single instance. And I love that because it's creating a better dynamic on the ice And I think that that's a big change. I think guys were maybe a little bit too comfortable in the past, but now there's less reasons to be comfortable. And if they establish that they are willing to fight for their positions, they will get comfortable because their performances will back it up. But the other thing that I'm loving last night, especially is the way that guys are standing up for each other and willing to throw down and willing to start fights and willing to just stand up for each other. That's a no nonsense team. And I, I wish it had been there previously in past versions of the Sharks where maybe there was not as much red-ass because I am a fan of that mentality of don't take any S from the opposition. Take a penalty. And the thing about the Sharks is they know they can take a penalty with a fight because they can go and kill it. They got the best kill in the league right now. Nobody's arguing with that. It's back to what it was. And boy, that's another big thing to point out. The penalty kill was abysmal last year. And that was something that was not part of the Sharks' DNA previously. And guess what? The Sharks up to this point of the year have got it back. They've got the penalty kill working again. They've been able to figure out the problems. And again, you give credit to the front office and you give credit to the coaching staff because they have been able to identify the problems and they have been able to fix it. No, it's not perfect. I'm not saying that everything is perfect or that it's fixed for the long term. But what we are seeing in the early part of this year is the Sharks' ability to fix things, is the Sharks' ability to recognize problems, take them right, you know, don't try and ignore the problem and think it'll go away, but hey, it's take this, fix it, and come up with a better product. And up to this point of the year, that's what the Sharks have been able to do. The real problem now up to this point has been a lack of consistency because yes, you are 8-6-1, 15 games, six of those, so one-third of your season up to this point was an incomplete roster that was composed of younger guys. Yes. There are positive benefits to that. There's a a benefit and a positive takeaway, I should say, in that you were able to create competition for positions and you were able to get a look at those younger guys. But it did interrupt the cohesiveness that you saw from some of those players that were having really good starts to their season, like Eric Carlson and like Timo Meyer. Well, Timo Meyer has come back and is being an absolute stud in his return, so I don't think there's any problem there. And then Eric Carlson, who said he got pretty sick, by the way, looked like Eric Carlson last night, was being aggressive, was making good passes, was setting up guys and you can't help but walk away feeling positive about the San Jose Sharks with where they are right now. Even Listen, the, the record doesn't blow you away by any way, shape, or form, but you still look at this team and you think to yourself, it's a better version of what they were over the last two years. It's more in line with expectations, and I know I've used this line before, but the you know distance between expectation and reality is where you often find disappointment. And right now, the Sharks are no longer leaving you disappointed. But at the end of the day last night, the Sharks went in to face the Wild, one of the best teams on this young NHL season, and bossed them around and pushed them around. And they had other guys fighting their other guys' fights on the Wild. I was not impressed with Dumble last night in particular, but I was impressed with the Sharks' response all throughout the game. Whenever there was a hard check, whenever there was you know, what I perceived as what should have been contact to the head and uh, not a penalty for the Sharks when Dumba went after Barabanov, who's right there? Tomas Hurdle throwing down immediately. And, you know, you just, you give a lot of credit to the Sharks. And especially, you take a 2-0 lead early, especially that late first period goal. That is such a momentum swing and such a gut punch for the opposition. And the Sharks were having more of a response and bringing too much for what the Wild could handle. So that 2-0 at that point is just a huge huge turn in the game but then the wild come back and make it a 2-1 game the fact that you get that bomb from eric carlson at that point to make it a 3-1 game and re-establish that two goal lead and show the response the response was lacking so many times the last two years last night eric carlson comes through and the response is right there when and where you needed it to happen. Still a minute 15 left now on the hurdle penalty, as now it's taken by Eric Carlson. Blast one, and he scores! Eric Carlson winding
0: up and unleashing a classic, patented bomb that gets by goaltender Talbot. And the Sharks, with a four-on-four goal, take the three to one lead.
2: No, I think it was a, uh, you know, it was a crucial game of the uh, part of the game. Uh, we're up two one. We're playing pretty good, but they're, you know, having a bit of a push. And I think that once we get that three uh, one, you know, we kind of feel like. We can settle things down a little bit and, and you know, play, uh, you know, uh, a little bit more. I wouldn't say lose, but, uh, you know, without that fear that they might, they might tie up the game. And I think that, that helped us. So, uh, you know, great play from, uh, from Balser stepping in, not being a centerman, winning the face-off. And then, uh, you know, Mitzi, uh, you know, finding me and I have some space and, and a good screen in front. That's pretty much it.
1: In the grander scheme of seeing what the sharks have been trying to do and establish their identity in terms of being to be tough and needing to be physical and needing to chip it in and chase it down and be that type of team that's going to do the dirty work and not you know solely predicated on just great puck movement and being everywhere all at once, you know Bob Bugner keeps on hammering home this idea of simplify, 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 and I think that that it's pretty evident to me that when they do those things, it is yielding high-quality results for the Sharks. Now, there is always the wonder of whether or not some teams they just match up better than, than others, but again, they did not match up like this against Minnesota last year. They didn't match up well against anybody last year for that matter, and I think that for them to go on the road, to play to the identity that the Bob Bugner-inspired Sharks are supposed to be playing, not only does it give you the immediate evidence that it works but it also shows that these guys are listening because I know there were claims in the past that people thought that Bob Bugner was not going to be able to get through to Eric Carlson or Brent Burns or get them to have any sort of adaptation in their game but we're seeing more and more of that and I think that that's the important thing is that for this to work it has to be able to show that it works and right now when you get that great goaltending like you get from James Reimer who's been an absolute stud up to this point of the season and is one of the best goalies in the NHL right now it's all working I mean, it's not its not like they're the best team in the NHL, and I'm not trying to say that, but it's all working in terms of when they play to their game, they get good results. When they play outside of their game, they don't get those good results. And I know that sounds very simple to extract, but it's something you have to take into account when you're watching a team develop as the Sharks are right now, because this is, 15 games into what is a very long season, and right now you are still establishing that identity. But when you have these reference points as a coaching staff and as a team to say that, listen, when we did this, 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 and this, we were able to get a win. And it worked against that team, who's a good team. And it worked against that team, who's a good team. That's what's so important to me to see in terms of what the Sharks are building towards right now.
2: Yeah, I think so. And, and, uh, you know, now the hard part is going to be to to maintain that, uh, you know, going in here, uh, <clears throat> we have a lot of games coming up and, uh, you know, we got to find a way to, to keep the intensity that, uh, we had today. We know that, uh, you know, that's probably not going to be the case, uh, you know, every game, but, but when, when we have days where we're not feeling our best, uh, you know, that we still can find ways to, to be successful and, and keep things, you know, close and, and then you'll still stay in the game, uh, and you know have a chance to win it by then. But,
1: The Sharks are almost 20% of the way through this season. Granted, we have a lot to learn about this team, but we are seeing more and more of who the Sharks want to be. And when the Sharks play what Bob Bugner wants them to be, it is most definitely yielding better results. And I think that's that's my grand takeaway up to this point. But the hard work isn't done. And again, you're looking at a situation like you did earlier in the year where if they can walk away with a 3-2 and two road trip, you're going to feel pretty good. Even at this point, walking away with a 2-3 and three road trip, I wouldn't feel terrible about. But you've got another big challenge for the Sharks coming up on Thursday night when they face a tough, tough opponent on the road in St. Louis, 8-5-2 on the year, it's going to be a big, big challenge. But right now, that's all a challenge for the Sharks right now because they are still not the contender that they were a few years ago. And you would hope that if they stick to their identity this year, they can establish themselves as a team that can make some noise. You can't immediately become a contender, just as you can't immediately have an MVP season. The Sharks are off to the right start this year. It has been... Chunky and inconsistent for a number of reasons, none bigger than the COVID outbreak, but you are seeing overall things trending in the right directions. And I know that this is a line that I repeat probably too often, but if you had gone back to the start of the year before we knew anything that had happened and said, hey, this team after 15 games is 8-6-1, and one, you're happy. The Sharks were a team that were, you know, 500 a couple of times last year, and that was about as good as it got. So a big performance from the Sharks right now you're feeling good heading into another big game and I think that's about as much as you can ask for right now last year you kind of dreaded some of those games and I'm, I'm trying to not be uh, too harsh but you did because the, the team wasn't playing well right now you know it's it's hard for me to say that the quote unquote the team is playing well because it's been so inconsistent but you get the feeling like that when they have all their horses when they do stick to their identity they can beat good teams in this league. And if you do that consistently, you're going to find yourself in the playoffs when all is said and done. That's a ways to go. And I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, but you do feel good about where this team is right now and potentially about where they're headed. All right, we're going to take a break. On the other side, we are going to talk to the play-by-play voice of the San Jose Barracuda, Nick Nolenberger, because he had a great view of everything that happened with all those guys going from the Barracuda to the Sharks what he was surprised by, what stood out to him. We're going to to get into all that coming up next on Morning Tide.
2: That to-do list you have needs one more thing, chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice
1: cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. (laughs) Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Welcome
0: back to Morning Tide. Brought to you by Coors Light. What a finish by Szymolowski, and the Barracuda are on the board in the fifth round of this shootout.
1: All right, welcome back to Morning Tide here on a Wednesday morning. We are now lucky enough to be joined by the play-by-play voice of the San Jose Barracuda, Nick Nolenberger. Nick, getting us going here, let's get the 30,000-foot view on where the Barracuda are right now, given everything that's happened over the course of this young season.
0: The Barracuda, it's been an interesting start. I think you can look first and foremost at what transpired up top with the Sharks with all the players having to go onto the COVID uh, protocols. But it impacted the Barracuda, not only with players getting called up, but also players that tested positive as well. We had a week stretch where we recalled um, I believe it was six guys and we ended up signing something like four guys to professional mm-hmm. tryout agreements. And for people who are unfamiliar with how that works in the AHL, basically you need to find players in the ECHL that are not under NHL or AHL contracts. So basically they're on an ECHL deal. So it really shrinks the pool of options, but you scour the league and you're able to pick and choose uh four available players. They ended up signing four guys, uh, what happened though was one of them came into town, had been traveling cross-country, and of course they wanted to test everybody before they joined the group, and one of them tested positive. Then we recalled a player and one of him, one of those players tested positive. So <laughs> it was a it was a whirlwind of a week. We had a game postponed and and then we played a game with a, a shell of the team that we had opening night um like the sharks the club was able to somewhat tread water they're sitting at 500 and that's basically what they what they're able to accomplish over a four-game span they went Mm -hmm. two and two when they were dealing with all the COVID protocols so it's been a mixed bag I mean you looked at the roster at the start of the year and you thought man this is one of the most talented and deep four groups I personally have seen in my time this is year number six the team has been in San Jose now for seven years And it could be argued it was one of the best four groups, if not the best. And that even goes back to the group they had back in the 16, 17 season when they made the cup final or Mm -hmm. the conference finals and had double digit NHL players on the team. But it's been somewhat of a slow start. And I think in part because of what has transpired with COVID and with so many players getting called up and and guys in and out of the lineup and, you know, injuries have obviously impacted the team a little bit, too. So if you ask the coaching staff, if you ask the players, if you you, know, you ask the fans and the media who have watched the team, I think you would say there's still a lot more this team can do, and, and there's a lot more it can accomplish. That being said, you're looking at individual performers and, and guys that are exciting and intriguing, and, and the players that you'd expect to, to be some of the best have been. Mm-hmm. Um, Sasha Shomalevsky has begun to find his game a little bit um Joachim Blickfeld has begun to find his game a little bit still sluggish start for Joachim who at the AHL level was a dynamic player but he's still learning how to how to be a complete hockey player because just because you can fill the back of the net and provide a lot of offense if you're a liability in other areas of your game you're not going to get an opportunity at least a consistent opportunity at the NHL level so you look at all these guys who have NHL experience Joel Shellman John Leonard Mm -hmm. Noah Greger it's been up and down maybe not as consistent as you hope for but Probably the best player up front so far has been Noah Gregor missed a little bit of time on COVID protocols. Couldn't go up to Canada for our first game of a two game set um, last weekend in Abbotsford played the second game scored has points in six of the seven games this year leads the team in scoring tied for first in goals at four when he's on the ice. He's just a complete difference maker. The opposing teams, you know, have to defend the team as a whole completely differently because of his speed. And his confidence with the puck at the AHL level in year number three, he's as confident as you'll find when, when it comes to an offensive player. So that's extremely intriguing and he's yet to play a game up in the NHL this year. So, you know, overall, I think it's been a mixed bag, but you can look at it, you know, with a, with a silver lining in the sense that this team hasn't, hasn't even remotely gotten close to scratching the surface on where they could be yet. They find themselves at 500 and within a playoff spot. So, um long long answer short or or however you want to verse it (laughs) um it's been a mixed bag right you know and and there's still i think players that are trying to define their games and get to the level that they want to get but roy sommer i think uh, has to be happy with the compete and the competitiveness it's been really competitive start up and down the lineup guys have fought for positioning and um you know things can come together on how they envision them how they envision them at the start of the year and what they see for this team i think Again, sky's the limit, and this could be one of the best teams in the AHL.
1: With the guys that came up to the Sharks, I guess who surprised you and who didn't surprise you with their performance? I mean, I think the easiest question to ask is Ryan Merkley, because we all have known about the potential, and there were still a lot of questions even in the development camp. And then he came out there and played really, really well. I mean, did that surprise you or did you expect it? I mean, him and I guess any of the other guys that you had reactions to?
0: I, I like to look back to last year because last year was such a unique year. We saw so many guys get looks at the NHL level. And one of the guys that did not get a look as a former number one draft pick was 20-year-old Ryan Merkley. Well, he had a huge offseason this year. He went to Michigan. His, his uh, godfather lives just outside of about a – two miles away from the national development program. Mm-hmm. Um, and he trained there and he trained with the, uh, his godfather's son, who's going to be a number one draft pick in a couple of years. And he trained with the likes of Connor Hellebuck and, and even Sasha Shemilevsky was there, the Hughes brothers. So he was training with elite players, NHL players, and he was able to really hone his game, focus on his game. We saw him at development camp and I know Brett Hedekin was, um, I would say wasn't overly impressed with the way that he played, didn't love his game during development camp, but there were signs from the previous year, what we saw in development camp that kind of gave you some encouraging feelings, right. About where he could go and, you know, seeing development and, and seeing his game grow, had you pretty encouraged going into this year. And, Through his first four games with the Barracuda, I think it would be safe to say he was our best defenseman, which is something you couldn't have said the year before. So when he went up to the NHL and had success, had his first NHL game in kind of an emergency situation, October 30th, and then ends up scoring his first NHL goal, you weren't all that surprised because there's a reason why the Sharks took him where they did. He's one of the most skilled players in the OHL and we all know his past and you know some of the question marks going into the NHL draft and not only has he grown as a player but he's really grown as a person. If you ask his teammates there's a, a maturity to him that maybe he didn't have when he first joined the organization and you know that comes with with reps and experiences at the pro level and It's not easy to play in the AHL and it's not always easy to play for Roy Sommer. He demands a lot. He expects a lot. He wants the best for you, but he's going to also push you to try to be your best. So, you know, he's grown a lot in the last year Of course, last year was a unique season, too, given the fact that we started on the road and we had training camp in Arizona. And he even admitted he was out of shape because he was eating takeout all the time or or order in. So, you know, there's a lot of external factors that kind of affected, I think, his development a season ago. Um, But I wasn't overly surprised, given the way that he's played this year and the way he's kind of attacked this season.
1: Was there anybody else that stood out to you that went up? I mean, they all played well, but I mean, you have a much more intimate knowledge of their game than I do.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, Nick Merkley, the other Merkley, no yeah. relation. Um, no relation. Fill yeah. <laughs> up with the Sharks as we speak uh, here tonight. Um, he was a guy really interesting. I saw him a couple of years ago as a first round draft pick by the Coyotes. And then he suffered a pretty bad knee injury. It was the second of his career. Um, and then he got traded to New Jersey, played a season there, didn't quite work out. He, he admitted that uh, he talked to his agent and, and, you know, wanted to seek a trade and a new opportunity. And, You know, San Jose is a perfect spot for him, I think, in an organization that's looking for depth at the forward position. And, and, you know, during training camp, you can see the skill that he possesses. You know, at times I I thought, man, I I always thought he was a little bit quicker um, in in training camp in, in preseason. Well, as soon as we hit the regular season, it's been incredible. This guy has two to three breakaways a game. And as soon as he turns on the jets, he's separating from people. So he's been a really pleasant surprise during his time with the Barracuda and not overly surprised with the opportunity up top of the Sharks that he's been able to kind of grab the bull by the horns and excel because He's filled with skill. You almost forget it. He gets lost in the shuffle a little bit because it was a subtle acquisition by the Sharks in a, in a day in which they also acquired his former teammate, Lane Peterson. They made mm-hmm. a couple trades for forwards in the same day. And, you know, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle, but he's been pleasant a pleasant surprise. You know, Jacob Magna, just steady Eddie back there. And it was a yeah. perfect situation for him to play with Ryan Merkley, given the fact that they have been deep partners for the last two years in the AHL. Um, Nicholas Melosh another big guy stiff rugged defenseman kind of hard to play against he's gonna make your life miserable if you try to go to the net not surprised he was able to step in there so you know what's been really awesome this year, and I mentioned this with the Barracuda, the depth up front. There's also depth on the back end, but these are guys who have NHL games. It, not very often do you do you have the type of NHL experience, and you find yourself in the AHL. You know, John Leonard, I believe, played almost 40 games last year, and he starts in the AHL. So it, it's it's internal competition that wasn't there last year, and we always hear it: internal competition, you know, breeds the best in in people and in the maximum potential so not surprised that guys were able to step in it's a very encouraging sign if you're a Sharks fan given the fact that there is that much depth I mean when have you ever heard of that many players called up they are thrust in the lineup and yet the team still is treading water and, and pretty effective
1: Nick Nolenberger everyone find all his work on the San Jose Sharks audio network Noli you're the man thank you so much
0: thank you for having me appreciate it
1: Before we run out of time here on this morning's Morning Tide, I wanted to bring up a stat that I saw in the NHL.com story for the Sharks' win over the Wild last night. Timo Meyer now has 14 points with 6 goals and 8 assists in 10 games. Only two other players in Sharks history have scored more points in their first 10 games of a season, Owen Nolan with 17 points in 1999 and 2000. And Joe Thornton, 16 in 2005, 2006 and 15 in 2010 and 2011 and 15 in 2009, 2010. That is some pretty elite company for Timo Meyer.
2: No, I think uh, for me... I'm probably the toughest guy myself, and I have high expectations to myself. So uh, I knew going into the summer what I, you know, where, where I want to improve, what I need to do, how to have success for my personal game, and and obviously how to make that be a better player for the team. So uh, you know, I think as a team we show we uh, can play some good hockey. Uh, tonight was an example. So I'm trying to come in every day and and, and keep getting better, and especially work hard. And yeah,
1: that's it. Hard to argue with the results up to this point of the season. The message got through. Timo Meyer is on a tear. And the San Jose Sharks at 8-6-1 are ahead of where we thought they would be at this point of the year and you like the direction that things are headed. All right, that wraps it up for this morning's edition of Morning Tide. I will see you all on Friday morning after the Sharks take on the Blues and then it's back home Saturday night to welcome Ovechkin and the Caps into town. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. Here's Couture moving
0: it in. in front. They score! Mario Ferraro up base, getting a pass from Logan Couture and the Sharks lead 1-0. <laughs>
1: been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.